with a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 7 games across the NFL. In this episode, we'll cover the regular weekly picks, get to our total tease, and a whole lot of other good nuggets concerning football. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central, my main man, Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. We did all right last week. We did okay. That's like a 40-degree day. Ain't nobody got nothing to say about a 40-degree day. 50. Bring a smile to your face. 60. Shit, niggas is damn near barbecuing on that motherfucker. <laughs> Go down to 20. Niggas get they bitch on. Get they blood complaining. But 40. Nobody give a fuck about 40. Nobody remember 40. And y'all niggas is giving me way too many 40-degree days. What the fuck? It was a weird week. It was a weird week. I mean, I came out of it at 500, which nothing to write home about. You're not now, gonna- before you get into it, I should tell the listeners every now and then, especially if Andy and I differ on a lot of games like we did last week, we will place a side bet and that side bet will be, uh, you know, equal, like whoever gets the best overall pick record that week. And uh, of course, that last week saw me sending him an e-transfer Tuesday morning as he beat me by one game. But I do have to say, Andy, it must've been satisfying that it was your Niners big win on Sunday night that gave you the win over me. Hey, well, yeah, well, my Niners won as underdogs and your bears won as underdogs. So yeah, I mean, as a fan, it was a great week. (laughs) Yeah. It was a wonderful Uh, week as a fan. That's for sure. And of course, Neither of us bet every game as well. So last week was actually not a bad week for me at the at the wicket as the games that I picked were uh, a bunch of them were games that I was pretty solid on. And uh, of course, my bears, uh, my money. What did I do? Two out of three last week on the money line, Matty? Uh, you got the Bears right and the Browns wrong, but I yep. can't recall if you did a third game or not. Neither can I. Um, I <clears throat> excuse me, I hit my over on the Atlanta-Minnesota game. You did. Um, Excellent. I hit your over on that game as well. Oh, and everybody <coughs> needs to know about how you hooked me up with the Cole Beasley. I just, you know, Maddie and I were texting before the, the Monday night game, or Monday afternoon game, rather, and we were just like, what are, you, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? How should we play this? And I looked at uh, player props for touchdowns scored, and Cole Beasley was standing out at. Um, I think it was uh, plus one seventy three. Plus, yeah, plus one or one seventy five on my book, but it just kind of jumped out at me, going, "Well, if they're going to score a touchdown, it's probably going to be him. It's either him or Diggs." Yeah, and I was figuring that they'd probably be double double covering Diggs, so Beasley was the logical choice. And guess what? Cash at the window. So pay him, pay that man his money. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome, Maddie. I also want to give you props. Uh, well, I mean, just give your team the props. As Shanahan, his game planning is next level. He's he's getting close to Andy Reid uh, offensive game plans and, and the way he's dialing up plays. As you saw last week, Jimmy G, I still don't think he's 100% confident throwing big downfield because you could, you could tell with the Niners there was a lot more mid-range – and kind of flat passes. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the amount of different ways that Shanahan 
can design an offense to get a certain player the ball, like Debo Samuel. Samuel let's yeah, on a reverse, right? On a reverse. Just, just get or, him involved. He's a skilled player. Or yeah. get George Kittle in space about seven yards ahead of the line of scrimmage and watch him run for 40. That guy's yards after the catch are criminal. Criminal. They are, and actually I've got a quote from uh, Mr. Belichick about him later in the show. Oh, later in the show. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was waiting for the quote. <laughs> oh, I can give it to you now. No, that's fine. How about we wait till later in the show? Ladies and gentlemen, the radio business, that's called a tease. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, speaking so, yeah. of teasers, you know what? I, I, got, I, I picked San Fran on my teasers, I think, three of the weeks this year. They finally cashed in for me last week. But goddamn, did I not have Dallas on the on the yeah. second leg of that? Yeah, and Dallas and Cleveland. We won't be fooled again. No, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see where we're going this week. How about we fire it up? All right, let's do that. Well, the first game on the docket, it's, uh, well, I'll be paying attention to this one on the one o'clock hour. It is uh, Tennessee. That's one o'clock Eastern, by the way. Tennessee at home against the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. Tennessee two-point underdogs at home. 52's your over-under. Now, Andy, I want to get into this for just one second here because Mike Vrabel, that dude's been channeling the hoodie with his clock management this year. With the Titans trailing 30 to 29, Houston has the ball on second and one with 328 to play. Okay. Yeah. Rabel sends safety Josh Kalu onto the field, making him the 12th Titans defender. And video from the TV broadcast shows Titans cornerback uh, Jonathan Joseph like going, like, What the fuck? Is this a mistake? Sure enough, officials blow the play dead. Uh, they flagged the Titans for having too many players on the field. That gave the Texans a first down. But more importantly, stop the clock. See, Mike Vrabel knows the time is greater than yardage, uh, especially at second and one. The, the Texans could run it. They're going to get it. He could get the, the clock stopped, right? So the announcers, what's funny is they called it an error, but it didn't appear to be an error uh, by the way Vrabel handled it. He knew exactly what he was doing by giving the Texans the first down on the penalty. Vrabel had stopped the clock without calling a timeout. If the Texans run the ball, there's a good chance they pick up the first down, right? But the clock would have kept running. Vrabel saved about 40 seconds with the penalty. Well, that 40 seconds obviously makes a huge difference because the Titans ends up scoring the game-tying touchdown with four seconds left and then winning the game in overtime. That is oh, that was phenomenal. Advanced, uh, advanced coaching, for sure. Adva you know, that guy obviously learned a few things from the hoodie when it comes to how he's going to manage the clock. Unreal. Right, but let's go to the opposite side of the field in that game. Romeo Cornell, when he's up seven, decides to go for two-point conversion. See, I agree no, with that one. I don't agree with that. Why? And I'll, and I'll tell you why. Why, yeah. Okay, so obviously if he gets a two-point conversion, they're up by nine points, and the game's pretty much done. Right. Give him that. But if they go for the extra point and go up eight, three things need to happen. Tennessee has to march down the field and score a touchdown. 
Then they have to get a two-point conversion that's successful, and then they have to win it in overtime. See, I think that Romeo Cornell played the odds on his own defense because he knows his defense is Kaif. His defense is the oregano to the Steelers' defense of, let's say, actual weed. Well, come on, man. You told me that stuff, man. That you, man. man. It's nothing but oregano, man. Oregano. I took it home, and I, had to, I was selling it to my brothers and sisters, man. They wouldn't even get off on it, man. Well, if it's oregano, you beaner, you could use it in your soup. Yeah, so yeah, by yeah. knowing that, obviously, if Tennessee gets the ball back, they can go down and score almost at will especially with, with Derrick Henry, the way he's running the ball, Especially right? with Derrick Henry um, taking the snap from center and shotgun and just running it in by himself. Right. So Cornell knew that. and But the way his offense was rolling there, I thought it was smart. Go for two, try to put the game away, because otherwise it doesn't matter what you do. You could have kicked the point there. They would have still got the game into overtime and won it. Yeah, well, this one's going to be a little plus, bit tougher And plus, we, we sit them. around and talk about coaches not taking chances enough. I'll give Romeo Cornell that one, man. He went for the win. It's about fucking time a coach just put his nutsack on the line and said, hey, fuck this. I'm going for the win. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about the Pittsburgh game here. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the Pittsburgh <laughs> game. I just, I, I really thought, like, and this takes nothing no, away that from was, Mike no, Tomlin, was, who's yeah, a fantastic coach. About, everyone's talking about what I was just talking about, and very few commentators were talking about what you brought up and yeah that was a very advanced play for well, a lot of commentators including the guys calling the game thought it was a mistake brilliant all right but yeah this pittsburgh game pittsburgh right? game okay so they beat the crap out of the cleveland browns oh jesus that was brutal yeah that was brutal but that was a divisional game and obviously they were extremely well prepared going into that uh, they made them look well like the browns of old and guess what maddie the steelers play the black and blue game next week against the ravens meaning it's an almost wise guys sandwich game what are you an idiot sandwich. And I'm not going to suggest for a second that Pittsburgh's going to take Tennessee lightly, but they got to be looking forward to another divisional game. Um, the winner of that game will be leading the AFC North. And Tennessee's defense looked pretty good against the Texans, but mm, does that say a lot? I don't know. I mean, look at Derrick Henry, his stats. He ripped off two touchdowns and 212 yards, including one for 94 yards. And Tannehill... He threw for 364 yards and four TDs. Um, the Steelers obviously showed that their defense can show up and live up to their uh, their billing, but now they're going to be without linebacker Devin Bush this weekend. And when you're talking about guys that can shut down the run, he's the guy that shuts down the run for them. So it makes life a lot easier for Derrick Henry, if that's even possible. Um, now, on the other side of the ball, the Titans lost three-time Pro Bowler and left tackle. Taylor Lewin to an ACL as well. Now, if you don't think the left tackle position is particularly important, check out the movie Blindside. Well, I can actually give you the stats. The Titans with Lewin since 2019 average uh, 2.6 sacks a game. Without Lewin, they've been without him four games. They average 4.3 sacks a game. That's almost two sacks worse a game without yeah. him. No, it, it is big. It's very big. It's not just big. It's yeah. And the other, the only other thing that concerns me is that 
Um, you know, they played on Tuesday night. Or sorry, forget that. I don't have any other points. Um, well, I think that like Derrick Henry, he reached 21.6 miles an hour on that big touchdown run last week. And his response was, that's too slow. <laughs> that guy looked like a refrigerator that had a V6 engine in it. I could not get over. That guy was pulling away from defensive pat backs that are 40 pounds lighter than him and just in open field blowing by them. Henry breaking free. 20, 25, off to the races. They may not catch him. They won't catch him. Touchdown, Tennessee. I, I think it is going to be a pretty close game, but I could see Tennessee actually winning this one on the money line. That's why they're going to be my first money line Maddie pick this week. Well, they if you got them now, they are on the money line. But Pittsburgh was uh, minus two earlier in the week, and it's bounced back and forth over the zero, which actually in betting terms is not a huge thing. It's it's way less influential than you know line going from two and a half to three and a half. So it's not zero is not a key number, is what I'm saying. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think the Texans are going to win here. Uh, right as well. It's going to be a fun game to watch, though. That's for sure. When you come in against Derrick Henry, you better go low. Do not stand up with that man and let him just throw you out of the club. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. Your renaissance and waterfronts give you a flare of your own. Well, the last game we talked about is a fun game. This one, uh, we're not going to spend as much time on as uh, Atlanta plays host to the Detroit Lions. Atlanta, two and a half point favorites. 57 you're over under. Now, Matt Stafford, he's doing all right lately. He's got two pass touchdowns in three of his last four games. And Atlanta's allowed the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. And both of Detroit's wins have come on the road. Now, I'm a Bears fan, so it's really hard for me to say nice things about the Lions. But I feel like they can cover on the road here. What do you think, Andy? Well, you mentioned how their offense is now clicking. Um, I think one of the most impressive things that came out of the last game, even though it was against the Jags, was that they had nine different receivers that uh, Stafford threw to. And they ran the ball well, getting over, or sorry, getting 180 yards. And they only gave up 44 yards on the ground of the Jags, which is kind of surprising considering going into the game, they were allowing 170 on the ground. Now, Atlanta played a lot better on defense as well, but a lot of that had to do with Kirk Cousins once removed, throwing three picks in the first half. Something, Matty, he has he's, never he's, accomplished. He's, he's never got accomplished. 10 on the year already. Yeah, but he's never once in his illustrious career of tossing to the wrong jersey, throwing three picks in the first half. I got three words for you. You like that? So that obviously helped Atlanta. You could see Adam Thielen just yelling at him on the sidelines, <laughs> and I'm thinking Thielen's probably going... You make how much fucking money? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they were actually really impressive on uh, a particular goal line uh, stand against yep. the Vikings who had first and goal inside the five, and they shut them down on four plays straight. And that was sort of the turning point of the game. Um, now, here's an angle that we don't often talk about. So when you talk about Detroit and Atlanta, Jack Fox, not exactly a household name. He's the punter for the Lions, but he leads the league in yards per kick at 52 and a half. By contrast, the Falcons punter, Sterling Hofreiter, 
is the worst in the league at 41 yards per kick. Now, when you consider that an average football game, each team has approximately three to four punts, that equates to a very significantly statistical advantage on special teams. And, you know, it's an interesting offensive matchup here because Atlanta's scoring exactly 0.4 more points per game than the Lions. So that's very close. You know, Detroit rallying off three three wins in a row on the road. They're going to need every advantage as possible. But you know what? If you listen to our very first episode, I said, don't be surprised if the Lions end up at the top of the NFC North. Okay, now you're just spouting fucking crazy shit. That proves my point. You're a crazy person. Why don't you tell why don't you tell us your thoughts on the Kennedy assassination, you kook? What do you mean they're gonna be at the top of the NFC North? I said don't be surprised if they are. I'll be fucking blown away if they are. Don't be surprised if they are. Jeez, you if you say don't be surprised if they were to run the table in reverse because they stink, I wouldn't. Well, you they've know, already done that. Said once. The Lions they've already are done that. Think it up all over. Of course, all they're I'm going saying, to. Matty, is that the Lions don't suck as much as people think they do. No, you know what? Here's what I'm going to say nice about them is defensively, they seem to have gotten their shit together because they didn't come from behind to lose last week. So I, I just, I like them here as far as their offense versus Atlanta's defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atlanta's got a pretty good offense, but I think Detroit's got the better defense in this game. Did, defense travels well the spread's not even a field goal I, I like detroit to cover here listen pal maybe you haven't heard i'm the guy in all detroit baby if you've ever wondered wondered whatever became of me i'm living on the air in cincinnati cincinnati wkrp to the battle of ohio we go to the Natty, where they are three-point underdogs against the visiting Cleveland Browns. 50 and a half is your over-under. Now, here's a ratio for you and you math nerds out there. Last week, Baker Mayfield had one first down to 12 commercials on TV. <laughs> that is garbage time. Baker, Baker, you good? Come on, pick it up. We want a challenge. Now, they are still four and two. And the Bengals yep. may have their franchise quarterback, but their defense is a hot dumpster fire. They they, they are a hot dumpster fire, Matty. But right, you I know, mean, poor Joe Burrows. Well, yeah, I think, no, he doesn't have an offensive line. So what are, what are you going to do, right? The guy's He's gonna, not going to be smoking a cigar all <laughs> smug in a chair at the end of this year. I'll tell you that much. Hey, they can't stop us. Not, Only people that can stop us is ourselves. So in the spirit of the Battle of Ohio, Matty, trivia question: Did you know that there's been 21 astronauts from the state of Ohio? What is it about that state that makes people want to leave Earth? Fat chicks. Don't look at me like that. Fat chicks need love, too. But they got to (laughs) pay. Now, the Browns, wow. Were they ever embarrassed in Pittsburgh last week? That's now 17 straight games in Pittsburgh lost in a row. I don't know. Joe Burrow, like that guy was in diapers the last time (laughs) Cleveland had won there. Um I, I, th- I think they're, they're too talented. I think they've got a lot of talent in Cleveland, much more so than Cincinnati outside the quarterback position. And I, I think that they were so embarrassed that they're going to have a big bounce back win here. And three points isn't that much. 
but I, I like Cleveland here to cover on the road, even as even as a three point favorite. Well, these these guys played each other in Week One, and the Browns would have covered. It was thirty five to thirty. Uh, Cleveland, and if I do recall, there was a bunch of uh, a few scores for Cincinnati that came in garbage time, so that thirty-five to thirty was closer than it appeared. Uh, I think this game sets up well for Baker Mayfield. Uh, Austin Hooper's got ten plus fantasy points in three straight games, and Cincinnati's allowed a top six fantasy tight end in three of their last four. So that uh, we know that Baker has a much easier time hitting his tight ends, running backs, or, or flatter slant throws. I also really like it because the Browns run the ball really well, right? I oh, don't yeah. trust Baker a lot. Even without Nick Chubb, even without Nick Chubb, even it's it, they've just got a bunch of studs playing O line, and they do got guys that can run the ball. Now, the Bengals have allowed a hundred plus scrimmage yards to five different running backs this year already. Um, the only thing that concerns me is the Browns defense, which kind of like Buffalo is just falling off a cliff this year. The Browns have two losses by more than thirty points this season. The yeah, rest the of the NFL has, two, but the Browns only have two losses. That's the difference. Right, true, but the rest of the NFL has none of those losses. The Jets haven't even lost by thirty yet. That says something, right? Your defense can't be that bad. You can't. They've got to tighten up. I think against the Bengals, though, there's as long as they control the clock in Cleveland, or as long as Cleveland controls the clock, run the ball, and make sure that they you know, tighten up a bit on their pass defense. They should be able to come away with this, the win in this game. Like you said, they are four and two. They are four and two. So who are you picking? You got the Browns? I got the Browns. What about you? I got the Browns. Hey, Maddie, do you know why ducks fly over Ohio upside down? That's got to have something to do with it. Not being a good place to shit on. There's nothing worth crapping on. right? <laughs> <laughs> hi it's up to you, New York, New York. On to New York, on New Jersey. But uh, as Andy has appropriately pointed out, uh, Buffalo's the only team from New York that actually plays in the state of New York. Uh, plus 13, the Jets are at home. 45 and a half is your over-under. Uh, Buffalo's on a two-game losing skid, but uh, they get the cure that ails all NFL teams when they need to turn it around. They put they play the Jets, and this yep. is this, this is a very high spread considering the low total of forty-five and a half. Well, I was just uh, going to say that, especially for a divisional game too, right? But the Jets are zero and six against the spread. The Jets are zero and six, uh, pretty much against every metric you can possibly imagine, Maddie. Yeah, but they can't even cover. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, I remember. It's not I think like it they've two, been favored. No, I remember two years ago they were. I think they were a three and thirteen team, but they covered the spread uh, in double digits. And you know, they they were they're just worth betting on every week because they they get a really crappy line against them and and cover. Uh, this started at eleven, went up to thirteen. Now, okay, so. We watched Buffalo get their asses handed to them by the Chiefs on Monday night, right? You bet. Now, I'm not going to call this a sandwich game because this is still a divisional one, but they have New England on deck. I'm just saying that maybe they let their foot off the gas a little bit in the fourth quarter. 
they're scoring 26 points a game, meaning that the Jets just need 14 points to cover all other things being equal. I know, Maddie, I sound like a broken record. And if I'm wrong now, this week, I'm probably going to have to start a support group. But I'm going to take the Jets at home with the points. Okay. You're doing the wise guy thing. You know, double-digit spreads in a divisional game where the underdog is at home. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what I'm doing. But that's a wise guy move, right? Because they yeah. do pay off a bunch. Here's my problem with it, okay? The Jets have scored fewer than 20 points in five of six games this year, yep. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bills are scoring mega points. Yeah. So if the Jets score 20, I can definitely see the Bills getting 33, on the Jets' defense, for sure. The Jets have actually only scored six offensive touchdowns this entire season. And Joe Flacco is 2-11 and 11 in his last yeah, but, 13 Yeah, but here's starts. the thing, though. Sam Darnold is likely to be back in the lineup. He was practicing is this he? week. He was yeah, practicing? So he was practicing. He's, he, he looks like he's getting a green light. Nothing's official, but it's more likely we're going to see him than Joe Flacco. Seeing ghosts. All right. I'm keeping my money away from this game, but uh, for those who are new to the show this week, we pick every game. Doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to put my money on every game, but we do pick every game. Mm-hmm. This game, I'll tell you right now, if it's Darnold, I'm going with the Jets. I, I agree with you. It's a it's a divisional game. 13 points is a lot of points. And, you know, the Jets and Bills together often don't score a lot of points when they get together. Going by history, uh, I'm with you, man. I'll take the Jets plus 13. To buttress your point, Maddie, there's a difference between making a pick and making a bet. And I'm simply going to do the former on this one. The Jets defensive coordinator after a blowout. Okay, everybody, do you you guys see what happened here? We forgot. We forgot to what? We forgot tackle. Forgot to tackle. And what was the what was he holding? The person we forgot to tackle? Do you remember? No, wasn't a pointy brown egg. Ready? Is the football. Okay, guys. Love to not go through this every week. Oh, what's happening, CC? They still call it the White House, but that's a temporary condition, too. Can you dig it, CC? Well, the Washington professional football team is one-point underdogs against visiting Little D. 46 is your over-under, and this is a historic Little D Cowboys team. They are, have the worst defense in terms of points allowed in 57 years. That's pre-Super Bowl. And the last five games, they've allowed 38, 34, 49, 38, and 39 points, respectively. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. at 2-4, and four, they are the worst team with a losing record to have a division lead since the 1970s merger. I can believe that, too. And they, are, and they are actually one-point favorites going into Washington. No, actually, That means that the uh, NFC no, East at, is dog pick. shit. They're at a pick right now in the Westgate. Is that a pick? Washington. Okay, sorry, because I've got plus one here, Washington. Yeah, I don't line. think it matters either way. Okay, so let's say we're, we're going to call it a pick em. Is that we'll what we're it, doing? Yeah, yeah we're, doing, we're doing that. All right, if we're calling it a pick em, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this dog shit division and these dog shit teams. It's dog shit. I spent too much of my breath doing it. Uh, you know, the football team, what I'll say in their defense, they've allowed 207 pass yards per game this season. That's the second fewest in the NFL. Okay. 
And according to Next Gen Stats, Cowboys quarterbacks have been pressured on 107 dropbacks this season. That's the most in the NFL. Uh, Cowboys 0-6 against the spread. They play a decent defense this week. I think, once again, Dallas goes home with their tail between their legs. Fuck you, little D. Learn to get a defense and spend some money on the other side of the ball. I'm taking the Washington professional football team. Yeah, and with Dallas, you got pro bowler guard Zach Martin who suffered a concussion on Monday against the Cardinals. And actually, well, it seemed like the whole team suffered a concussion. But Zach probably won't be playing this week. And Zeke actually came down with a case of fumbleitis, leaving two balls on the ground for Arizona. And you don't have a great atmosphere in that locker room. You know, after entering the season with such high expectations. And to your point about defensive stats, you know, the Cowboys are 27th in the league in yards allowed at 410. By contrast, Washington is actually sixth in the league at 337. You know what? You know who's seventh? Your Bears. Yep. And that's a huge difference. And and Dallas, trust me, the name Dallas Cowboys isn't intimidating anyone this year. And I agree with you, man. I'm going from the professional football team from Washington. Now when people hear the name Redskins, they will immediately think titties and baths. It's just a bold new way that we can say we don't fucking care. On to the Big Easy, where the New Orleans Saints are seven and a half point favorites against visiting Carolina Panthers. 51's your over-under. Now, the Saints have allowed 20-plus fantasy points to quarterbacks in each of five games this year. And uh, the Saints are one of six teams to average 30 points per game this year. Unfortunately, they also allow an average of 30 points per game. Uh, So this is kind of an interesting one. Do you feel that this is uh, an overreaction to Carolina's performance against the Bears last week? Um, I don't know if it's an overreaction, Matty. Um, You know, you got the Saints coming off a bye. Um, Seven and a hook, though? Seven seven and a hook. So they get Jenkins and Lattimore back on defense, right? Two pro bowlers. And Michael Thomas will probably be in the lineup for the first time since week one. So they're getting a lot of guys back. And yes, they are allowing 30 points per game. I compared that to last year's stats where over the course of the whole regular season, they only allowed 21. But look who they played. Tom Brady in the Bucks, the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers in the Packers, the Lions, and the Chargers, all teams that can put up points. So let's isolate that as being a bit of a scheduling anomaly. I don't think they're really that bad on defense. And as I say, they're getting two guys and very important keys to that defense off the IR. Um, and the Panthers, they're scoring just over 20 points a game on the road this season. And while well, your, your Bears actually absolutely destroyed them with their defense, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he is the bridge from the Panthers going back to last season where he played five games for the Saints. So he understands their system. But at the same time, you know, you look at the hook. It, it actually doesn't bother me. I think I think New Orleans shows us that they are the team that we thought they were going into the season. And it's no slight against Matt Rule and, and the way that he's handled the Panthers uh, as a new head coach. But I, I think right now it's going to be a statement game for the Saints. And I think that they win and cover the seven and a half. I think this is a Drew Brees and Sean Payton tax. 
The Saints are two and three against the spread this year. They're the only team above 500 that currently average fewer than five big plays per game this year. All the other teams have a 320 and one combined record. So it's kind of it, fluky that they're yeah, winning they, some of these games. They don't games. win with the big play, Matty. They they're they're a down for down team. They they right. they're death they've by had, a thousand cuts. They've had yeah. that's right, death by a thousand cuts. And what does that take? Lots of time. Mm-hmm. Right now. Yeah. You've got three wins this year. So they beat Tampa Bay by 11 in week one. But let's face it, week one for a lot of teams was like a preseason game. But their other two wins, they failed to win by more than seven. Right? Detroit, they won, but 35-29 at Mm -hmm. six points. And at home versus San Diego, they won 30-27, to but it took, took them till overtime. I think Carolina is better defensively than both teams. And I think it's the Carolina's defensive side of the ball that can keep it close so that if Carolina, I, like, I think New Orleans wins this game, but I think they win it somewhere in the four to six point range. So I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers here uh, to cover the spread on the road in the Superdome. I'm fading New Orleans this year. And it's been paying off at the wicket so far. Wow, free beer! Buddy, those are my quarters. Uh. Hey, this guy's paying off. Dugger. Texas tatted on my arm Got Houston on my back Cause I love the city I'm from Hands up if you feel that Well, we'll stay in the south and we'll head to Houston with their three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home against the visiting Green Bay Packers. 56-and-a-half is your over-under for the game. Now, the Packers have not lost consecutive games since weeks 11... Uh, yeah, since weeks 11 to 13 in 2018. And they've, you know, they do have to tighten up their defense in Green Bay. They've, they've allowed 34 points per game on the road this season, 18-and-a-half uh, points per game at home, right? Yeah. Um, That's a 15 and a half road home points per game differential. That's actually the biggest discrepancy in the NFL. Holy crap. I know that is. Yeah, that's a bit surprising. You know, the Packers, they've got 13 players on their injury report. 13. But the, the one guy that they're going to miss the most, again, left tackle, David Baccarati, who couldn't yep. finish Sunday's loss to the Bucks. He might be in. He might be. In the lineup, we don't know, but that's going to be huge for Aaron Rodgers. But let's be honest, the Texans cannot stop the run. They are very last in the league, allowing over 177 yards on the ground. Note to fantasy guy, if you have him, you may want to make sure that you got Aaron Jones in your lineup. Why you wouldn't, I don't know, but he got to be there. Texans' new defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver, should be as nervous as Rudy Giuliani in a Borat hotel room. In Kazakhstan, we all know that football is nuclear retardation disease, where man grow foot out of testes, satchel. Well, I do like Green Bay in this spot. They're 5-1 and one against the spread. Houston 1-5 and five against the spread. And all Houston really has going for it is Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's got 107.6 passer rating right now. That's the highest passer rating since at least 1950 by a quarterback whose team has one or fewer wins throughout the first six games. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's got no help. And because he's got no help, look at the way the last week, you can't overreact to what Green Bay did. That was an anomaly. Rodgers got the yips 
as some people yep. do after throwing. He did mm-hmm. the pumps, right? He tried to do yep. the pumps, the K and Peel celebration. And then after throwing back to back pick sixes, he gets the yips. And um, I, I know, wait a second. I know, I, I know the second one wasn't a legitimate pick six before people get mad. I know it was, but since it was returned to the five fucking yard line, it was essentially a pick six. Um, two yard line, Maddie. Two yard two, line. Thank you. Uh, they won't do it two weeks in a row, though. No, I'm I'm looking no. for Green Bay to cover here on the road. You're going to see a very angry Aaron Rodgers. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. You don't want to bet against that guy. Absolutely. I don't care if there's a hook on Houston. I'm going with the Packers. I see a film uh, in my hotel room uh, called The Cheerleader. Uh-huh. And uh, the cheerleader, um, she uh, uh, finished a game and then a player... Uh, make a explosion liquid on her uh, stomach. No, that's not that's not football. Let's head to the Mile High City where the Denver Broncos nine and a half point underdogs against the Kansas City Chiefs. 48s here over under on the day. And, you know, the last last week, Denver won in Foxborough. Mm. The last time Denver won in Foxborough, Jake the Snake Plumber was their quarterback. No way, really? <laughs> Unbelievable, eh? <laughs> um, now, Denver has been, considering the amount of injuries they've had this year, yeah. and who's, like, they lost Vaughn Miller right away. They've had everybody go down. Drew Locke only, has only played in two games this season. But Drew Locke needs his receivers to start helping him out. They have the worst drop rate in the NFL. They're averaging one drop out of every 8.31 catchable passes. The league average is 14, almost 14 and a half. You know, mm. and, and Denver, I just can't believe how well Vic, Vic Fangio, and I should know Don Fangio. He coached my Bears defense, and he, he had an amazing defense when he was there. And we would lose a key piece, but we'd never lose a step because Vic Fangio's great at coming up with, with schemes for a whole unit. As a result, Denver's 4-1 and one against the spread, and this is a divisional game with almost double-digit spread. Yeah, I mean... Speaking of Fangio, I mean, that was his mini Super Bowl, beating Belichick at Foxborough last week. Oh, that, that kudos, iced him his job with El- Elway for at least another, like, three years. Yeah, and but kudos to their defense for holding the past 12 points while not even scoring a touchdown for themselves. Now, the Pats certainly aren't as explosive as the Chiefs, who now have the services of said Le'Veon Bell. A bell cow? Don't know. But... You could tell in the game against the Bills that their running backs were fighting for employment and job opportunities because they were running over over the Bills at will. And it didn't matter who it was, Um, but they know that someone's going to be dropping down the depth chart a little bit once Bell gets in there. Now, for the Chiefs, you got a short week and you're playing at the elevation of my high stadium. Taking a look at the game time weather report, you're going to see that there's an 80% chance of precipitation. The temperature and it's going to be 22 degrees, dude. It's going to be below freezing. So? With the wind at 10 miles an hour, that means there's going to be snow and lots of it. I've heard up to six inches possibly. Now, we saw how much the rain affected the Chiefs, Chiefs passing game in, 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 in Buffalo on Monday, 
But rain and snow are totally different things. You know that as a defensive back, right? You bet. And the Chiefs uh, playing Kansas or, and the Chiefs playing Denver's defense is going to be much different than Buffalo's defense. They're not yep. going to be as soft on the run. Mahomes is going to have to do something. Uh, now, he, usually when you ask Mahomes to do something, granted, he does it. Yeah. Um, but nine and a half points in mile high in a divisional game. Like with that, with that kind of snow, like you said, what happened last time when they played in the rain? You couldn't throw the ball. And that was, you know, for Andy Reid, he's never coached a team in Kansas City that has accrued so many yards on the ground. And that's something he wants to do. And if he sees that he can do it, he's going to do more of it, which is going to eat up the clock. But Denver's not going to allow them to, to run like Buffalo did. No. Well, that was horrific. That's horrible. No, you know what that is? That's horror-awful. That's horrible and awful mixed together. Horror-awful. Like, I like Denver here to cover the nine and a half at home. Am I crazy? I, no, not at all. I'm taking the same side, man. Go, America. Go, America. Go, Broncos. Yeah, go, Broncos. Yeah. New England Patriots. Greatest football team. We take the ball from go to go like no one's mercy. We're in the air, we're on the ground. We're always in control. And when you say New England. Well, speaking of Foxborough, we head there next, England, where the New England Patriots, Patriots are home England, to Patriots. your San Francisco 49ers. Now I know Ma- uh, Raheem Mostert's out, but is that really a big deal with the way McKinnon's already proved he can step in and do the job? Well, they've got a lot more than just Jet McKinnon. They got Kyle oh, Juszczyk. Of course. Of course. I'm talking things. about his exact replacement, right? I mean, yeah. who steps um, into the depth chart? McKinnon steps in for Mostert. Is that not the case? Well, it's happened It happened once before the season, and he did a great job of it. So it's, it's a big loss for the 49ers, to be sure, because you're not going to get anyone faster than Mostert. But they, they're, they're still solid in the running back position. Um, and, my gosh, did they ever – they showed that they were still a force to be reckoned with, you know, beating the Rams, the four and one Rams in a must win spot. And could the Patriots have looked any worse? Oh. <laughs> you know, lose, you know, we talked about, we just talked about it with the Broncos game, but you know, that, that game featured eight field goals and one touchdown. And they looked on both sides of the ball. They looked aged and they looked slow. And I'm talking about you, Julian Edelman. Yep. Uh, it, they just got and and if Cam Newton was not their quarterback, I'd hate to think what their record would be right now. Well, they're two and three against the spread. The Pats, that is. Yeah. And Jimmy Garoppolo, for as much flack as he takes, uh, his seven six seven winning percentage trails only Patrick Mahomes at seven eight four and Tom Brady at seven seven two in career win percentage among two one two quarterbacks with thirty starts since nineteen seventy. And this is Jimmy G's inaugural trip back to New England. You bet. Who decided three years ago that he wasn't worthy of staying there. Do you think he's maybe had circled this one on the calendar a few months ago? Well, and add to that Cam Newton's performance this year. You touched on it. He has not been great against good defenses this year. So last week, we talked about it, scored only 12 uh, against Denver. The prior <clears throat> week, they were only able to put up 10 points on Kansas City. And week one, they only scored 11 on a shitty Miami Dolphins defense. Yeah. Now, look over the other side of the sidelines. The Niners are 3-0 and this season when holding opponents to fewer than 24 points 
0 and 3 when allowing 24 or more points. And I just can't see New England, the way they're scoring, getting more than 24 points. Cam Newton's passer rating has declined in each game this season. It went from 100.7 to 94.6 to 73.8 to last game's 51.6. I think, And that's, that's, that's a product of defensive coordinators figuring out exactly how they're going to use them. And if you look at the fact that the 49ers are getting a whole hell of a lot of guys back from injury on their defense, it's going to be really tough for them. Now, I, I mentioned earlier that Belichick had some laudatory comments about George Kittle. Kittle is a great player. He does everything well. I put him right at the top of the league there, period. His ability to run, catch, get open, after the catch, block, he does everything at a high level. He's as good as anybody that I've ever coached or as good as anyone that we've ever played against. I don't know if he's just buttering them up, but I agree with everything he said. I agree with everything he said as well. I don't think Bill Belichick's capable of buttering somebody up. I think if something comes out of that guy's mouth, he actually... How about, how about, a, subway, how about a Subway sub with some uh, extra mayo there? <laughs> I've handled dozens of balls over the past week. Well, I'll tell you this. Your Niners, this year, for all their faults, they've played pretty damn well on the road. And this is not the same New England team we're used to seeing playing on Sundays at Foxborough. Uh, what's the spread in this game? Two. Two points? I think, and I, think it's, I think it's two points in the wrong direction. I think the 49ers probably should have been two-point favorites, but whatever. I agree. I say your Niners can cover. I, do. I, I agree with you, Maddie. Get a room, you two. We're in a room. Well, then lose some weight. Like another perfect day. Now we head to the City of Angels, where the Chargers are seven-point favorites against the visiting Jacksonville Jaguars. 49 and a half is your over-under for this game. And, you know, the Jaguars have lost five straight games and have allowed more than 30 points in each game. But the Jaguars have scored fewer than 20 points in three of their last four games. That's not a recipe for success. No, not really. Um... I, can't, I think I texted you during the game uh, that the Chargers were playing last week, and I was like, Justin Herbert, he looks like my paper boy. Oh, yeah. He, he you know, he's still got the acne. I know the guy's, what, six foot 13, but he's, he's got acne going on. He's like, he's got this little boyish thing. Couldn't grow a beard if you paid him. And then you get Gardner Minshew on the other side. You know, he's got the handlebar mustache. Everything's going good for him. Um, and well, everything's going well mustache wise, but I might rather I might rather, wise, I look, might rather be Herbert, Herbert. Okay, the the kid has still yet to win a game, but that is not his fault, dude. You this know? is his first start versus a quarterback who is not an MVP, Super Bowl MVP like Mahomes, Brady, or Breeze, or a Pro yeah. Bowl quarterback in Bridgewater. Well, okay, so that's exactly the <laughs> point. His QBR after four games is better than that of Drew Brees, Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, and Tom Brady. And you know what? I feel so bad for guys like this that they, you know, they they get mobbed up with uh, shitty organizations, shitty coaching staffs, and you know, guys like Sam Darnold, Danny Dimes, Joe Burrow. I mean, that's the nature of the game. When you finish last, you get to pick first. So I I, I get that. Um, but this guy's playing really well. I, he's got a br- really bright future. Now, but the Chargers of every year, or sorry, every single game this year has been 
decided by seven points or less. Actually, Andy, they are mm-hmm. one of two teams to have every game decided by one possession this season. Now, here's some trivia. Which other team has had every one of its games decided by one possession this season? New Orleans? The Bears. Ah, oh, the Bears. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense in hindsight. But they, they definitely aren't blowing. T- Chargers aren't blowing teams out this year. But once again, they've played Mahomes, Brady, Breeze, Bridgewater. No, it's but not I like mean, the they, Chargers have played chumps. No, no, no. And, and if you look how well they played, they almost beat Kansas City. You bet. Right? And well, that, that was, was week two. Was it? And that or was week his first three? game starting. Yep, you bet. Um, and and you know what? They're getting Melvin Ingram back on defense. The Chargers are. That's uh, a big, big that's plus. Huge. That's huge. Now you got him and Bosa. The amount of damage that they can do on defense now that both guys are there and healthy is exponential. This is this is definitely a a case of two plus two equals five because their their defense who's already playing well by the way and Jacksonville has just done nothing to impress me nothing well, and they got to travel all the way across the country and they're on a different time slot we know how especially poor teams um, that affects them a lot more i just i i think that the chargers can cover 7 points at home i i do too i do too all right. Well, let's go, you San Diego Super, Super Chargers. Charge. Oh, hang charge, on. Man. Before, charge, charge, charge. Before we go carry on, um, this has to do with Jacksonville and their hot tub. Manny became hot tub guy today. I did. My hot yeah. tub was, to, I wasn't supposed to get it till Saturday, and poof, showed up today. That's good. You service. realize, Matt, that this you're gonna have to make a whole bunch of lifestyle changes to live up to hot guy, hot tub guy status. Oh, I've already got like a, a, a ocean shell choker necklace coming, and I'm gonna start wearing my shirts very open. Yeah, now but uh have you got the Gardner Minshew handlebar mustache going on yet? No, but I can do uh, my my youngest son wants me to grow it back because when he was born, I actually had the handlebar stash going. Right now, I'm rocking the beard, but I think I might go back to the handlebar. Maybe I should. And, and you're going to need some nighttime shades, though, right? So people can't see where you're looking. Well, actually, I'm an orgy guy, so uh, I don't oh, mind people- if people see where I'm looking. Oh, all right. Well, then see, you're halfway there already. You've done the homework, it sounds like, which doesn't surprise me. But yep, Maddie's hot tub guy now. Just remember, kids, it's always better to have lobster on your piano than crabs on your organ. How was your soak? Was good soak? Oh, man, very good soak. The soak of the year. In our last game on Sunday afternoon, this game was actually flexed into the Sunday afternoon spot. That's the Las Vegas Raiders at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Raiders, two and a half point underdogs at home. 53 is your over under. Andy, with this happening, and by the way, for those who don't know, we record this on a Thursday, and we just found out about two hours before we recorded that this game was flexed into this spot. And I was going to say part of the big thing about the Raiders is Chucky always gets these guys up for primetime games, but they're not in primetime anymore. 
I was going to say the same thing, Matty. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's like, that's usually in his preparation. So um, if he doesn't have them prepared now, yeah, it's not going to make a big difference. But yeah. But are they going to be able to go knee head, knee head, as well as they could at eight o'clock at night? That's true. That is true. You know, Tampa Bay is off their big win against the Packers. Well, their uh, defense, their defense, we have to give them some love, dude. Uh, they're the second them- team in the last 20 season with 10 plus takeaways, 20 plus sacks, and fewer than 70 rush yards per game allowed in their first six games. You have to go back to 2008 uh, Steelers for that. Yeah, they played really well. And, you know, when you can embarrass a future Hall of Famer like Aaron Rodgers, you're doing something right. Uh, oh, but they, that was- they, they made my Bears number one in the NFC North. There you go. Yo, Tom Brady, a steak dinner. Now, you you saw Tampa Bay winning last week. I I picked the opposite side. I thought Green Bay was going to win. So tell me, Andy, what you see in Tampa Bay, and do you think that they've got what it takes to, over, to, to beat the Raiders by more than three points at home? Admittedly, um, yes, I was on the right side of the Bucs, and primarily based on their defense, but I did not see that game unfolding the way it did. At all, in any way, shape, or form. I don't think so many people did. I, I, I consider myself slightly lucky on that one. But this game here with the Raiders, a little bit different. Okay, so you got the Raiders who had a bye week last week, and they're coming off that huge win at Arrowhead against Kansas City, where they, you know, they gave Pat Mahomes the biggest upset of his career in the NFL. And then if you go back to the game against uh, the Packers, Tom Brady. He threw for a whopping 166 yards. And the Bucs were the beneficiary of two defensive and special teams TDs, not something that you can count on week to week. And this is their first foray into the 702 in Las Vegas. And I think that their defense can absolutely shut down Josh Jacobs, but I think it would be a stretch to suggest they could do that and cover tight end Darren Waller. And three and a half, and it, trust me, man, by, by game time, this is probably going to go up to four or five, and I'll tell you why. I heard a report just before we went uh, to record that uh, one of the Raiders linemen tested positive for COVID, or at least they think he did. They sent the entire uh, front five home. So we're going to have to see, see how that plays out. Um, it doesn't sound serious enough that they're going to be quarantined or they're not going to play. But for the next two days, you can assume that they're practicing with their backup squad. So keep an eye on that. And for that reason alone, um, you probably don't want to touch it if that's the case. But if they've got their regular front five up there, I don't think there's any reason why the Raiders can't cover three and a half against Tampa Bay. Who, by the way, you is know, it three and a half? Because I have two and a half. No, it's three and a half. It's now three fact, and a half. I, in fact, I've seen four and a halves as well um, since okay. we're using the Westgate odds. You know, Tampa Bay played a obviously very important game against Green Bay Packers. They're on Monday night, albeit against the Giants next week, but in another primetime spot uh, where they're traveling. I, I, I'd like, I love the Raiders here. I love them. Well, I think that uh, John Gruden, if he is anything, he's a quarterback geek, right? Yep. And Tom Brady is the goat when it comes to quarterbacks. And so John Gruden has probably studied more tape on Tom Brady than he has on Derek Carr. So yep. I 
I like the way the Raiders could maybe game plan for what Brady and the Bucks are going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it might actually be a little bit of a lower scoring game, to tell you the truth. I think some defense is going to be played here. And I, I, gonna I, be some, I totally agree with you. I the, totally yeah, agree with that. The running game will be in full effect, but I, especially as the line goes more and more in favor of Tampa Bay, I like the Raiders more and more. In fact, <gasps> Moneyline Maddie picked this week. Oh, oh. Oh. And now the game that was flexed into the Sunday nighter. We take uh, Arizona three-point underdogs at home against visiting Seattle Seahawks. 56 and a half is your over-under. Now, thank God for Dallas. Otherwise, Seattle would have the worst defense in the league. <laughs> <laughs> thank God for Arkansas. Right? But, you know, Russell Wilson is one hell of a fucking deodorant stick because he can cover a lot of stink, man. Let the wide stick give you the edge. Speed stick, super dry, antiperspirant. I don't know. They, they, they like it's a super, super deodorant for that guy. Oh, 33.8 points per game the Seahawks are averaging. That's the most in the NFL. And also, they're four and one against the spread. And they've yeah. had some big spreads to overcome. Um, they have, yeah. Arizona, my gosh, did they look good against Dallas? I mean, top to bottom. Top to bottom, they looked awesome. They did. And, you know, taking a closer look into their defensive stats, in terms of points per game, their defense is allowing fewer than the Steelers, the Bears, and the Colts. Say what? Okay, let's fucking hold on a second here. Because they've had a pretty fucking easy road. No, yeah, those are the numbers against, let's see who they've played the last five games. I'm looking at the schedule now. Little D, then the Jets, then the Panthers, then Detroit and Washington. They lost to the Panthers 31-21, the Lions 26-23. When they play crappy teams, yeah, they win. I mean, Andy, quite frankly, I think you and I could get some of our college buddies together and put up at least some decent numbers against Dallas. Yes, yeah, absolutely. No right? question. So you can't even take what they did last week because you know, and, and I, you know what, you and I were on the wrong side of that game. We thought Dallas would at least show up. We've realized that they've packed their bags in that city and they no longer mm-hmm. give a flying fuck about playing football. But yep. I'm telling you this, man, the Arizona Cardinals are a middle of the road team. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, let's focus back on the team they're actually playing, which is Seattle. And they've beaten Seattle five of the last 10 games. They have. Which, okay, there's five, that's 500, nothing crazy. But those were with much inferior teams. And they got a real chance to contend in the NFC West because this is going to be Cliff Kingsbury's biggest game in his tenure as the coach for the Cardinals. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, the Seahawks are 32nd in the league. Maddie, there's 32 teams in the league, right? Meaning they're they the are. worst? They are. And they're allowing over 471 yards per game on defense. The next closest team is Atlanta with 432, almost 40 yards better. Arizona in the same category, 346, good for 13th in the league. That alone makes me think that with that scrambling-ass quarterback against another scrambling-ass quarterback, I think... I'd take the one with a better defense, and I'm going to go with the home team 
underdog and the hook taking the Arizona Cardinals. All right. Here's the thing. I'm thinking about taking Arizona. I really am. Seattle is coming off a bye week, though, right? Mm -hmm. And Pete Carroll's pretty good when it comes to coming off a bye week. True enough. And, by the way, you gave those uh, numbers for Arizona. Even though they've beaten Seattle five of the last ten, they haven't won a home game versus Seattle since Russell Wilson's first NFL start. That's week one, 2012. You know what? Were they here's in St. Where, Louis here's at where that we're going to di- What's that? Were they still in St. Louis at that point? <laughs> well, here's the deal, man. We haven't differed a lot this week, but I'm going to go against the grain here. Uh, I agree with you. Arizona's defense is a, is better than uh, it used to be. However, I don't think their competition has been anywhere close to what Seattle can put up. Seattle, we know how bad they are. But the thing is, every time they're that bad, Russell Wilson's that much better. So I'm going to stick with Wilson, especially if it's a field goal. I'm taking the shithawks. Hope they don't shit on you, Bubbles. Shit on who? Shithawks. Big, dirty shithawks. They're coming, Bubbles. They're flying in low. They're swooping down, shitting on people, and dragging them off to the big shit nest. And finally, Monday night, we're my Chicago Bears, the NFC North leading. Chicago Bears. I fucking love how that sounds. They're rolling. It does does have a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Rolls right off my tongue, Pally, and I apologize for nothing. Uh, The they're going into Los Angeles. The Rams are at home. Rams are five and a half point favorites. Six Uh, actually. Six with the Westgate. Oh, they're six now. So they're six point favorites at the Westgate Super Contest, and forty six is your over under. Now the Rams are currently four and zero versus minor league teams. That's the Mm -hmm. NFC East, and then they're zero and two versus actual NFL teams. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really don't know where the Rams get off being uh, five or well six point favorites. Now I actually bought them, and I was texting with you last weekend, so you can verify. Before the Rams played the Niners last week, the Bears were seven-point underdogs uh, against the Rams. So I bought the Bears at plus seven. I'd still buy them at plus six. And they're my last Moneyline Maddie pick of the week. I blew my water early there. What what a surprise taking your Bears. But. Hey, um, it's worked for me so far this year, hasn't it? No, there, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that it isn't. I mean, I don't think we talked enough about how the four wins came about for the Los Angeles Rams. They're all, <laughs> how odd is it that we're going into week seven and they played every single team in the NFC East, right? It's kind of weird. Um, so that's five wins. 18 losses and one tie in that division. And as you mentioned, they're 0-2 outside that division, losing to the Bills and my 49ers last week. Dog shit. I mean, Jared Goff has the most interceptions, by the way, without a pass touchdown by any quarterback against the Bears in the Super Bowl era. Five touchdowns with or five interceptions without a touchdown pass. 
Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was my next stat that Ooh. I was going to throw out. And so, eight and are six we doing homework at the same place. We must be. But he, Jared Goff, eight and six in primetime games as well. He does not show up. And then who do the Bears have at quarterback? Let me see. Big Dick Nick Foles, who shows up in primetime like a fucking bat out of hell. Yeah, and it's really, you know, they got the type of defense. It's 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 difficult to put a number on. It's difficult to put a number on how much they affect the game because it's just little things that they do right. You know, tackling a guy just short of the third down, um, you know, an inopportune interception when, yeah, it's just their, their defense is playing really well. Well, the Bears, Ag- if they turn the ball over on their side of the field, they'll hold them to a field goal. You know, Nick Foles, you know, the running backs, they all can feel like, okay, if we turn the ball over, it's not the end of the world. It's right. not like we're the Dallas Cowboys where we turn the ball over and it's an automatic six. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, man. Bears are four and two against the spread this year. And by the way, for all those people who said the Bears schedule was shit, well, when you look at it now from week seven looking back, they ranked sixth in strength of victory. They're 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 win against the Bucks alone. That looks a hell of a lot better now compared when you saw what Green Bay did. No, I'm dude, I'm busting your balls about taking on the money line. I Chicago's the right side, as far as I'm concerned, in this game. Um, Have I ever told you how much I love you, Andy? Uh, You have, but not often enough. It's week week to week, I guess. Depends on what your view is about my bears. (laughs) (laughs) But you're you're golden this week. I'm going to write your Christmas card this week so it gets done all nice. I remember seeing a little finger. I remember seeing a for better or for worse cartoon about the Boston Bruins, and they're like, I don't know why it is, honey, but every time the Bruins win, I seem to love you that much more. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, except for the Bruins part. Yeah, well, no, 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 no. That's legit. Yeah, all right. We'll agree to disagree on that part because we'll never get past that. But uh, when it comes to oh, Chicago. Oh, hang on. You're, you're, a, uh, you're a Leafs fan, right? Drew uh, Blue? It's so hard for me to say that now, especially when they go out and get Joe Thornton. Okay, He's, but that's guess so what guess Joe Thornton did before he made the decision to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs. What did he do? He conferred with Joe Montana. Yeah, well, that's great because Joe Montana's decision to go to Kansas City was fantastic. Well, he almost made the uh, AFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, almost. Eh? Is he playing horseshoes or hand grenades? Hey. Are you going to tell me that this, is there anyone around that's better than him? Hey, wait a second. I didn't say Joe Montana was an awesome. I just said I'm not going to ask him about moving teams because he went to fucking Kansas City. Hey, who's got, who's the Super Bowl reigning champs right now? There you 2019. go. He made them that much better. He made them in that much better. 2019, dude. Well, I guess 2020 because it happens in the new year. Sounds like somebody's living in the past. Contemporize, man. That what? What? When did Joe Montana go there? 90, 1993. 93. That's a little while ago, man. Uh, you see, there's a. I was in what effect. grade ten. The effect is so long. It's so long. <laughs> but anyway, this LA Chicago game. It sounds like we're both on the right side of this. Well, or what I would consider the right side. I'm taking the Bears on the money line and take them with the points if you want. Yeah. Or not with the points. Because that would mean, no, take them with the points. That's right. You lay in the points? You take the points? (laughs) 
Jesus Christ. I've had it. Like, by, this, by this time of the show, here's what listeners don't know. As the show goes on, Andy and I have cracked more and more beers. And every now and then, just something stupid just flies out of my mouth. I've had a lot of concussions. I played pro football. <laughs> Actually, I took the Jets at the beginning of the show, so that really doesn't apply. Are you seeing a psychiatrist? Because I got a flash for you, young man. You're not copus mentis. <laughs> Please up and try again. Alright, here's a little segment we like to call our total tease. It's where Andy and I give you a an over-under total that we like for the weekend and also a teaser. So Andy, go ahead, you first. Age before beauty. Well, I appreciate that, Maddie. Um, <laughs> the total, we are going to look for the what I consider the best game on the docket, and that's Pittsburgh against Tennessee, and they've got a total post of a 52. And Mike Tomlin does not run up the score on the road. In fact, he's got a history of, of going under the total quite a bit, uh, especially after a win. And I'm going to look for a lot of running in this game, and I'm going to look for it to stay under the total of 52. For my teaser, I want to look to my 49ers, and I've done it a couple times and got burned this year, but I did it last week and it worked out. Uh, I'm going to take them from 2 to 8, and there's a low total of 43.5 on the board against the Patriots. So points are going to be at a premium. I like that one. And on the second leg of that, I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints down from 7 on the hook to 1.5. basically just need to win the game. So, summarize, Pittsburgh, Tennessee under 52, San Fran, and New Orleans for my teaser. Well, for my total, I want to go to the Battle of Ohio, where the Browns are heading into Cincinnati. The I want to take the over. Uh, it's 50 and a half points. The last time they met, which was week one, over 60 points were scored. I, I think that's a golden over-under for you to take because both those defense are garbage. I think you're looking at the 23rd and the 27th ranked defenses, respectively. Uh, for my teaser, uh, first game, I'm going to go Denver, New England. I'm going to take the Broncos from plus nine and a half up to plus 15 and a half going through the key numbers of 10 14. And then uh, Chicago at LA, I'm going to take the Bears from plus six up to plus 12 going through the key numbers of seven and 10. So uh, Denver, New England, take the Broncos from nine and a half to 15 and a half and Chicago, LA, take the Bears from plus six to plus 12. Hey, Matty, going back to the Battle of Ohio, what do Ohio State University and University of Michigan students have in common? What? They both got into Ohio State. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck Michigan. <laughs> Fucking Harbaugh sucks. Guys won like two Nothing. two games Nothing. against ranked <laughs> two games even, against ranked competition. He can't even beat he can't even beat Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to week seven of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud so you won't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week seven games across the NFL from the Cosa Nostra studios for Andy, the prognosticator Attridge back in almost wise guys central. I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. If you liked your podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, 
please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. My world is strictly cash and carry, and I am Clay Davis. My people need something, they know where to find me. Think I'm gonna be the scapegoat for the whole damn machine? Oh, I ain't never gonna let you leave